It's time for episode 468 of the Clockwise podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, September 14th, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the ultra tech podcast. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal, my friend, my dungeon buddy. It's Dan the Man Morin. Good morning, Dan. Micah, I'm coming to you from the base camp at the mountain I'm climbing. <laughs> oh, no, you must not have the ultra because it's supposed to cut out all of that wind sound. I, I'm also very lost. <laughs> oh, Send just help. Use the compass. Okay. Oh, no. Satellites, etc. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, while we wait for Dan to reconnect uh, from his, his base camp uh, at the bottom of Mount Doom, we will introduce our awesome guests to my left. It's the senior editor at Digital Trends. It's Joe Marring. And welcome to, I believe, your first episode of Clockwise. Yeah, this is my first one. I'm. It's been a, a hot minute since I've been on any podcast, so you get to deal with all the the gears as they become unrusted and hopefully sell back <laughs> into this whole thing. To my left this week, it is a veteran podcaster and a veteran developer of apps such as PCalc and Dice by PCalc and other amazing things by PCalc. It's James Thompson. Welcome back, James. Thanks. I, I told the producers I wouldn't do another episode until you came back. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that explains the the hostage note I received. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, though, you are back and uh, we are ready to kick things off. We have four topics in 30 minutes. Let's get underway with mine. Uh, I'm curious. Tell me, I, I ask this question from time to time. It's always good to hear uh, from new folks. Tell me about the tech you use for sleeping and for waking, I'm talking trackers, alarms, sleep meditation, all that kind of stuff. Joe, we'll start with you. I wear uh, an Apple Watch Series 7. That's my go-to smartwatch. So that's kind of the, the wearable I'm using for sleep tracking. So I've got a third-party sleep tracking app on there called Sleepwatch. Um, it gives you like a three-day sleep target. So you can kind of see really quickly if you're getting enough sleep or you're not getting enough sleep. Um, and also just the, the companion app on the iPhone breaks stuff down nicely for uh, it calculates like your restful sleep. So during the night when you're actually getting rested uh, with your slumber, um, it shows your heart rate dip, your blood oxygen levels during the night. And it just goes an extra mile compared to, you know, what Apple provides at the base level. And it just presents all that information in a way that I've found to be a, a lot more helpful with with my sleep during the night. Uh, Mike, I mean, you ask this question a lot when I'm on the show. And of course, you probably know I don't really <laughs> use a lot of sleep tracking tech. Um, but about eight weeks ago, I got this device called a baby. And I will tell you, it's great for waking. It's not great for sleeping. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, although, let me tell you, it will also make you tired enough that you will definitely go to sleep without too many problems. I don't really do a lot of sleep tracking, but I'll spin this a little bit and talk about this having a newborn in the house. I actually end up using a tracking app for like tracking when the baby sleeps. Uh, there are a lot of these out there because, you you know, a lot of people, they want you to keep track of all this information about your baby. Uh, and so we try to log when the baby goes to sleep or the baby wakes up. 
Um, and uh, we use an app called Baby Tracker for that, uh, which is pretty good and lets you visualize sort of like when, you know, here's a graph, here's the day, here's the times when they were asleep, here's the times when they were awake, and hopefully you can find some sort of pattern or realize that babies are agents of chaos and don't care about your patterns. So uh, long story short, I wake up when the baby wakes up and try to sleep when the baby is sleeping and <laughs> My life is a hollow shell of what it used to be. Uh, but thanks for asking. James, what about you? <laughs> um, well, you know, so my pretty short answer for you is literally nothing. Um, I don't set an alarm to wake up. I go to bed when I'm feeling tired. I don't meditate. I don't track my quality of sleep. The closest thing I have is friends who tell me to go to bed when I'm still visibly awake in the UK, and they are already starting to feel sleepy over on the West Coast. How do I know how well I slept? Well, I wake up feeling rested. It doesn't usually help me to have a computer tell me that I had a bad night's sleep. I'm usually perfectly aware, thank you. <laughs> and, you know, the computer can't remove the stress factors that are responsible for it. So it really just becomes another form of stress to me. Just, you know, another number telling me that things aren't particularly great right now. Thanks, computers. I know. But one of the advantages of working from home for my own company is that I can pretty much set any hours that I like, and I have remarkably few times where I need to actually engage with society in the morning. So if I do, I'll set an alarm, but generally, I just don't have anything on by default. All interesting answers all around. For me, as far as uh, sleep tracking and waking up, I use two things. Uh, ever since the Apple Watch and iOS kind of started working together to where you can get a notification when your Apple Watch is charged, I actually have been wearing my Apple Watch to bed and using that for sleep tracking. Um, not necessarily because <laughs> of the actual sleep tracking options and uh, views and data that the Apple Watch provides, uh, because I have a much more sort of resolution, uh, extreme resolution version that I'll talk about in a second, but because I love it whenever it gives me a notification in the morning that's like, hey, you got your, you reached your sleep goal of eight hours of sleep. Good for you. There's <laughs> something that just feels really nice about that. And that only happens if I wear my Apple Watch. So I like to get that little notification. Um, and then I just charge my Apple Watch for a couple of, uh, or for, you know, half an hour uh, at some point during the day. The other thing that I use is an eight sleep pod pro cover. It's this uh, cover that goes over the top of your mattress and it uh, is a thermoregulation device that will actually make it cooler while you sleep or warmer if you are uh, running contrary to what all sleep science says. Um, and then in the morning, it's got these vibration uh, engines inside of the bed that will lightly vibrate and then get a little bit more extreme to help wake you up. And so it can kind of rouse you from sleep. And I find that delightful. Uh, both my partner and I use those vibration alarms to wake up in the morning and they are great. Uh, thank you all for your answers on that. Let us move on to our next topic, which comes from Joe. iOS 16 had its big public release uh, recently. It's been in developer and public betas for the last few months, but it just is now rolling out to everybody with an iPhone, or, or most everybody if you have an iPhone 8 or newer. Um, but the, the big hallmark feature for that is the new lock screen customization. Um, at least my Twitter has been filled with people sharing photos of wallpapers they're using, widgets they've found, new clock formats. Um, and it's it's very cool stuff, but I'm curious for everybody here if there's a, a feature that's not the lock screen customization, maybe something smaller in iOS 16 that's not as heavily marketed by Apple that's really stuck out to you uh, since you've been using the update. 
Well, I've, I've, I've been using the beta the whole time and I wrote my review over at Six Colors. Um, I tried to pull out a few things that I thought uh, were great that were not getting as much play, although some of these have come up a lot. I mean, the haptic keyboard, for example, I think is really fun. I've had that on since like day one installing it, and it's just a nice way of getting a lot of tactile feedback as you type. Um, the other one that I really like is the map maps ability finally to add multiple stops mm-hmm. uh, on a trip. I ended up using it just the other day, and I want to say what delighted me the most was that it is they actually went ahead and implemented it in CarPlay, which felt very good because I was driving somewhere and I was like, oh, we need to get gas. And I hit the, I wonder if I can do this on CarPlay. And I hit the button. I was like, oh, add stop. You know, I was like, oh, this is great. I mean, this is a feature obviously Google Maps has had for a super long time, um, but it is something that I actually find really useful. And I'm glad it wasn't like, oh, it'll get to CarPlay next year. (laughs) I feel like, "Uh." Um, so those are really big pluses. And then one more I'll mention that I I came across while reading the reviews, and I it's sort of a, a pro and a con to it. Uh, in Spotlight, when you search for stuff now, you can actually do tasks in Spotlight. So if you search for, like, timer, you can then hit a button to start a timer, which is really cool. Uh, I think it's something that has not been mentioned in a lot of places, and part of that is because... Apple search results in Spotlight kind of suck in terms of how it categorizes and organizes stuff. So you may never scroll down long enough to see, oh, there's actually all these other things that you can like launch directly from Spotlight now, which again, super cool. But because of the way it orders those search results, you may just never come across it. But it's worth like searching in Spotlight sometimes for like the name of an app or something like that. And because some of those abilities are now surfaced directly in there, which is, again, something to look for. What about you, James? Leaving aside the open question of whether or not iOS 16 actually excites me at all, um, a lot of the stuff that I've been looking forward to isn't actually available yet. So shared photo libraries is something I've wanted for ages, but that's been delayed till later in the year. Uh, Live caption accessibility feature, that sounds great. The ability to lift an object out of a photo is very neat, but realistically, I'm not sure I'm actually going to use it a lot in practice. I think medication tracking is probably going to be a thing that makes a noticeable difference to me. Um, along, same with Dan, the multi-stop routing in maps. Also, marking threads as unread in messages just is going to help me not forget things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say I am most hopeful for the passkeys feature and yeah. the ultimate death of passwords. Nice. Uh, for me, I'm going to name two. Uh, firstly, the new dictation experience I quite like. Um, I do use dictation uh, with some regularity, particularly if I'm at home and working on something else and I just quickly need to get a message over to someone. Uh, the way that you can kind of move the cursor around and uh, have dictation kind of remain on and the way that it's a little bit smarter about what you are uh, saying and whether it should add um, in punctuation is quite nice. Uh, the other one that I'll mention is the ability to lock hidden albums and recently deleted albums in your uh, photos library. So if you have, uh, if you've added photos to your hidden photos library, you can put a lock on that. And then photos that you've recently deleted, you can also put a lock on that. I know a lot of folks who would want that privacy option in place. And so I'm glad that Apple has added that. Uh, Joe, why don't you round us out with uh, your picks for the small features? A lot of them we've, we've touched on already, but one that I've been personally really happy with is that the weather app actually does stuff now in iOS 16. <laughs> I've always liked how the the interface for Apple's weather app has looked, but it's never done a lot. It, it, it's shown you 
temperatures and, and precipitation and everything, but tapping on anything in the app was just not a function you could do. So it's nice to be able to go in there, tap on all those blocks and widgets in there and actually have them show you more information about what's happening. Most of them, if you tap on it, it gives you a nice long 10-day forecast with graphs for temperature, wind, precipitation, uh, visibility, pressure, and it all feels a lot more information-dense than any other version has. Um, and, and now I've got a weather app that I like looking at, but I also don't feel like I have to download AccuWeather or a, a third-party app to actually get useful information for, for what the weather is going to do for the next few days. Nice. All right, folks, with that, we have reached halftime, which means it's time for me to tell you about one of my favorite sponsors on Clockwise. It's Text Expander. Whether you work in a small team or you work alone, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client. You don't want to track down the same FAQs from the company website. These are the kinds of things you want at your fingertips so you can get your work done faster. And that is why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes. This allows you to work faster and eliminate repetition. It lets you focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. And all you have to do is type a short abbreviation and text expander does the rest of the work for you you just build and collect your most commonly used phrases messages urls and more right within text expander then create your chosen abbreviation and they'll be with you wherever you type you can even customize the snippets by having them oh i love this add automatically add in dates fill in the blank fields timestamps, and more this will make sure that you'll still keep that personality in the communications that you send and text expander is available on any device you use across any app you use on mac on Windows, on Chrome, and on iOS. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com slash clockwise. And when you do, that's going to get you 20% off your first year. Textexpander.com slash clockwise to say goodbye to repetitive typing. And our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and for my typing fingers. Thank you, Text Expander. I appreciate you. All right, back from the break, and that means it's time for Dan's topic. All right, so rumors persist of an iPhone hardware subscription plan, which would be different from the upgrade program. Possibly replace it? Who knows? My question for you is, would you pay a monthly fee to get a new iPhone every year? Do you do this already? And if not, what about this plan would sell you on this idea? Or are you just not in the market for it whatsoever? James, you love iPhones. Well, I mean, if the monthly fee was like 50 pence, then sure. But otherwise, I would not and I do not. I, I prefer having the control over the timing when I get a new one, but mainly over what I do with the old phones. I'm privileged enough that I can afford to buy my phones outright. And many years like this one, I can also choose not to get anything at all because I can't make a particularly good business or personal case for having one. If the iPhone 15 has a USB-C and a Periscope camera, like all the rumors say, then I'll probably get that. However much of a discount there might be built into the monthly fee, it's not going to be more than the savings of simply not buying something. Uh, but even then, presumably, you have to give the old phones back to Apple. And most of my phones make their way through a variety of other people over many years until they eventually come home to their final resting place in the drawer of obsolescence. A subscription plan would be depriving 
many people downstream from me of having upgraded phones, which I kind of guess is the point because Apple would not be doing this to reduce their profits. They would be doing it to increase their profits. I am in a unique position where I don't um, have to pay for a new phone, but I do need to have a new phone every year. And so because it's for work, then work pays for that. Um, so I don't need to be on a subscription plan or anything like that. But I would say that back in the day, that is what I did with the the upgrade program. And so I would have no problem uh, doing a subscription plan that also kind of got you into a new phone every year, every, <clears throat> excuse me, every year, or every other year uh, should my job change or anything like that. Um, that worked for me then. And I think it would work for me now versus buying the phone outright and, uh, you know, dealing with the the juggle of, of how do I do the turn in and is uh, what kind of money am I getting from this? I, I like the idea of less cognitive load at the end of every phone cycle where I can just kind of go, oh, I know I will be getting the new one because it's part of this plan that I pay for. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's it's clever uh, and lets people try out the new new if that's something that makes them happy. Joe, what are your thoughts? I used the iPhone upgrade program back when the iPhone 11 Pro came out and, you know, being able to spend 20, 30 bucks a month was a lot more, a lot easier at the time than throwing out a thousand plus dollars right out of the gate. And the the whole experience worked well, but I I realized that I never took advantage of the Apple Care Plus that came, that comes included with the upgrade program. And I wasn't the the biggest fan of having to hold on to that 11 Pro for the the 24 months you're kind of locked into with that program before you can kind of upgrade to the next model when your device is fully paid off. So for after the 11 Pro, for the 13 Pro and for the 14 Pro Max this year, I switched to Apple's kind of monthly plans that are just baked in with the Apple Card, which... I've I've come around to liking a lot more. You get to own the device quicker if you want to. The interface is laid out nicely with the Apple Wallet app on the iPhone. And you actually have the option to pay those devices off, you know, a lot earlier. Whereas with the upgrade program, you pay month to month. And that's basically the cadence that you're paying for that iPhone. Where for the Apple Wallet monthly installments, you can just kind of pay a couple months and then just pay off the, the remaining device cost if you, if you want to later on down the road. So... That was my big uh, itch to switch that route where I can pay it off sooner and I have the device to actually own it a lot sooner too to do whatever I want to with it, like James kind of said. So assuming the the subscription program, whenever we get that, if the, the ticker is that you don't own the device, that would probably deter me from getting too interested in it. If there's some kind of discount with the Apple One plan, which I'm also subscribed to, Maybe that kind of uh, pushes me to consider it, but if there's no device ownership, it, it gets a little hard for me to swallow. I'm intrigued about the idea of a hardware subscription program because I think part of me wonders if a lot of this is Apple trying to get away from the idea of having to set up loans and go through a like credit check and all that just to streamline the process. I don't mind not owning the phones. I don't really have a currently a, a like a pass down scheme. I just sort of turn them in uh, every year and I don't really worry about it. And this, I also don't accrue a whole bunch of like useless phones <laughs> or have to go through the process of reselling the phones, which I just find annoying. So 
uh, you know, there are reasons to not do it, but right now the sort of um, uh, uh, inertia of it is keeping me on the upgrade program. But I would be very intrigued to see how whatever hardware subscription thing Apple has in mind differs from what we currently have, because I could certainly envision a situation whereby it would actually be either a little bit cheaper or a little bit easier to just sort of go through the uh, the subscription program. Thank you all for your thoughts on that topic. Let's go to our final topic, which comes from James. So the release of the iPhone 14 and the end of the iPod earlier this year got me thinking. How many years will it be until we see the last product called iPhone released? Alternatively, when do you think we'll see the last numbered iPhone? As soon as Apple cracks this AR thing, uh, that's going to start to spell the end of iPhone. Because I really think that a an interface that is like the iPhone in terms of it being your kind of all-in-one, all-purpose device, uh, but without being tied to a specific hardware size and screen size, is the future. But I don't know how long that's going to take. I definitely do think that uh, there will be the end of the iPhone. In theory, depending on, um, you know how much we react to uh, climate issues before I die, I think that the iPhone will uh, will be gone in, in its current uh, iteration and with its current name. Joe, I'm curious about your thoughts. I was also kind of thinking along the, the AR headset angle. I, rumors right now kind of suggest we're going to get some glimpse of that in 2023 or 2024. So it is finally going to be a thing after literal years of rumors of this thing being in the works obviously though like it's not going to come out next year or two years from now and just immediately you know apple's going to can the iphone it's not going to go that route uh ar and vr is still feels like a a niche that apple's going to have to get people comfortable with uh meta's been pushing that for years with oculus headsets or or i guess MetaQuest headsets now that's gotten it more to the mainstream but i still think there's a lot of work for Apple to get to the point where it can feel comfortable saying, you know, the iPhone is dead and like our next, if you want a phone or a communicator device of some kind, it's going to be this AR headset. So my, my crystal ball, I don't think is going to be super accurate, but I, in my heart, I feel like a decade from now, we're still going to be talking about iPhones, still going to be buying iPhones. 15 years, I, I could still see them there too. I, I, I guess it really depends on how quickly Apple can get that AR headset to market um, how quickly you can get the price to something that's close or reasonable to match what the iPhone goes for today, and just to get millions of people comfortable with a form factor that's probably going to be brand new to them for the first time. So it's going to happen, I think, at some point, but we're we're nowhere near uh, that kind of being our reality. The Mac is 40 years old. <laughs> so if you need a example of a device that can last that long, obviously it's evolved and changed over that time. We've had different models and the technology improves and all of that. But it makes me feel like maybe the the idea that this the iPhone is going to die anytime soon is not as compelling to me because it proves that there is some staying power with this particular form factor. And, you know, as several people said, you know, to the point of the AR um, headsets replacing it, I think it's a harder sell until that that technology is really developed. 
And even then, there may be lots of people who are just like, you know, I just prefer having a device I can put in my pocket and take out of my pocket when I need it. Uh, in the same way, there are people who are like, I like having a device on my desk that I can sit down at and work and then go away from the desk. So uh, maybe the answer is there's room for all of these things here. And I think that's that's probably a big part of it is like different form factors do different jobs. The same reason we still have laptops and iPads and desktops, like all these things fill different niches in our lives. So as a result, I don't think anytime soon the, the iPhone is, is going to be supplanted by some other technology that comes around. Now, uh, as for the second part of the question, the numbers, I think <laughs> I would be shocked if we hit an iPhone 20. I feel like that's just a it's a weird mental leap. I don't know if that's just me or it just feels like something that would be unwieldy. Uh, I expect, you know, in the same way that we got the iPhone 10 and the change the branding a little bit. I don't know. I expect maybe we'll we'll change the branding again, maybe a year based thing or I don't know. Maybe they'll just come up with increasingly weird. Uh, we'll go back to big cats. iPhone Ocelot coming in oh, 2025. <laughs> uh, James, why don't you wrap this up for us? So, I mean, clearly, yes, the most straightforward answer is going to be based around when there's no longer any money to be made. Um, the iPhone is easily Apple's biggest product of all time, also probably their most recognizable product name, significantly more than the Macintosh at this point, I'd be forced to admit. So it's going to take a lot for them to give it up. I can think of a number of ways we could get to that point. Uh, one, Tim Cook's successor just really hates the name iPhone. It seems unlikely because it's going to be somebody who's already Apple today. Otherwise, something else comes along that completely takes over from the iPhone as a product category for Apple. I'm really not sure about this one. I mean, will we be all running around in public with headsets in 10 years, 15 years? I mean, even then, as you said, they're still going to make iPhones like they still make Macs today. And I think it's going to be that enough time passes that the very concept of a phone itself becomes a sort of relic of the past, like pages or a Walkman. We will probably still have pocket computers then, but I think naming them after a phone is just going to seem increasingly ridiculous. So my guess on that, less than 20 years, more than 10, so 15. I mean, as for numbers, at a certain point, it just does sound silly. iPhone 20, I would argue, still sounds okay. iPhone 37 sounds like a midlife crisis. Well, folks, we have just enough time for a bonus topic. Before that, though, I want to tell you about the very cool new relic. Uh, when you think about devs, many of you who are listening to this show, you, you folks are curious people. You're often the first to explore the newest tech, like the iPhone 37, and you want to know how and why things work. And that's why so many engineers turn to New Relic. See, New Relic gives you data about what you build and shows what's actually happening in your software lifecycle. It's a single place to see the data from your entire stack. That means you don't have to look into 16 different tools and make those connections manually. You can do it all from New Relic. It pinpoints issues down to the line of code so you know why the problems are happening and you can resolve them quickly. And that is why more than 14,000 other companies use New Relic. When teams come together around data, it allows you to triage problems, be confident in decisions, and the big one, reduce the time needed to implement resolutions using data, not opinions, not, oh, I think it might be this. It could be that. It's probably that. No, you know what it is and you're able to fix it. Use the data platform made for the curious. Right now, you can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data per month free forever with no credit card required. Yeah. 
Incredible deal. Sign up at newrelic.com slash clockwise. That's N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash clockwise. And our thanks to New Relic for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right. My bonus topic for you. If you could commission any artist, living or dead, to create art for you, who would you choose? Joe? Probably not a, a very original answer, but I'm going to go with Vincent Van Gogh for this one. Um, I've always just been super fascinated with this this person who had a horribly dark and depressing life and just created these paintings that are, to me, a lot of them, like the 15 sunflowers, the, the cafe terrace at night are just extremely calming and just give me a warm feeling to look at. So I would love to throw those all around my home office and just if I'm thousands of words into review and need a break and just look up at one of those and just feel kind of at peace for a bit. And I also get to tell people my apartment is covered in Vincent Van Gogh paintings, which would be uh, kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. I would pick uh, Edward Hopper, um, guy who painted Nighthawks, probably most famously. Uh, my first, my favorite painting by him is a one called Early Sunday Morning because his capture of light is just amazing. So if you haven't seen that one, check it out. But he would be my pick. James? Uh, I'm going to pick my favorite comic book artist because it's just about feasible, <laughs> but it might actually happen one day. So like Amanda Connor, Jen Bartel, Elsa Chartier, Erica Henderson. I have just commissioned David Lanham to draw more panda stickers for Peacock though, and I'm excited to see the finished results. Shout out also to Jelly, who I worked with on the official Relay FM screensaver for Woo! their St. Jude fundraiser. Donate now for the kids. Please do. Uh, for me, obviously, I have to go with John Singer Sargent. There's no other choice for me. And also, John Singer Sargent is prolific and very talented. So that helps as well. Uh, shout out, Sargent. Anyway, uh, if you would like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. You just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up for five bucks a month or $50 a year. And in doing so, you will help support the show. In this week's overtime topic we discuss our apple watch faces all right well uh with that we have reached the end of this episode of clockwise and that means it is time to say goodbye to our guests joe marring thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to join us thank you and james thompson thank you so much for carving out some time for us well thanks for having me and that's stjude.org slash relay and Micah, that's all we've got for this week, but we'll be back next week. And until then, we remind everyone out there listening, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.